Welcome to On Call with Dr. Anselm Anyoha. In this podcast, learn about the social, emotional, and physical health of children and their journey from birth through preschool and beyond. Find compassionate answers to issues parents and children face and that pediatricians encounter every day. Discussions in this podcast are not meant to diagnose or treat any conditions. Parents and caregivers, talk with your children's pediatricians or doctors about topics and perspectives presented here. You are on call with Dr. Anslam on Yoha. Welcome, everyone. In the previous episode, we talked about caregiver sensitivity as the first step of the parent-newborn relationship. Today, Dr. Anyoha will discuss the importance of the second step, calmness and regulating the environment, and why this is so important. It's good to see you this morning. Let us know um, what we need to know about what it means to be calm and regulate a newborn's environment. Yes, thank you, Paula. Today, we're going to learn about how to maintain calm and regulation in their newborns. Being calm, this is addressing the baby's comfort. The baby has to be in his own environment, internal environment, and also the immediate environment has to be calm as well. So what are some of the things that would keep a baby calm on their own? Not in the room or not what's going on around them, but the baby itself, what keeps that baby in a calm state from your experience? What are some of the things you want to share with parents? Babies have some internal mechanisms that keep them calm. For example, they uh, put their fingers in their mouth to be calm. The tendencies for the baby to move and cry. So by and large, is the caregiver and the parents and those around the baby that will maintain calm. One thing a parent might be thinking about, or a mom with a newborn, is a pacifier. And they might have a question about that. Does that help? This is a unique for me, but my, I don't recommend pacifiers for parents in my practice because I think the pacifier does what parents should be doing. <laughs> it takes away that uh, parent contact with the baby. So personally, I don't recommend pacifiers, especially when babies are not gaining weight because I stop them from communicating with you by crying, and you wouldn't know if they're hungry. So I don't really recommend that. What about something else that might give a baby comfort? What age is it safe to have a security blanket? Is that okay for well, a newborn? Oh, yeah, yes, definitely. When a baby in a, in a cozy blanket is a very good way of maintaining calm and regulation. Because think about it, these babies, uh, for nine months, they were in the wombs which is a confined space. And suddenly they're thrust into this world where there's limitless space. And the babies are usually trying to reach something, perhaps to prevent them from falling, <laughs> imaginary falling. So, you know, a cozy blanket is good. When we were speaking a little earlier, you mentioned there are two scenarios of a caregiver that understands the need for a newborn to have a calm, soothing, and quiet environment and maybe another, not so much. Can you touch on a few of those things that a mom would love to know? The most important thing is, is recognizing the need for the baby to be calm. That is, is very fundamental for a brain to continue to develop. 
And keeping your baby up during the day with the assumption that, that the babies uh, need to stay up during the day so that the baby can sleep at night is not a good thing because you're depriving the baby this quality of sleep. So that's one thing. And not having a very quiet environment for a baby is not a good thing. A quiet environment for the baby to thrive, sleep, and continue to mature. So what are some other examples? Would it be quiet music, singing a lullaby? What are some other examples for newborns? Lullaby has been there for a long time, decades and even uh, centuries. And it's cultural. Like I grew up from, I grew up in Africa, Nigeria, and single lullaby is very common for parents, mothers, babysitters. The same lullaby that my mother sang is probably what my <laughs> what my cousins. So it's very fundamental. But right now, it's of course with the evolution of parenting style, it has evolved through the internet, and there are internet programs that sing lullabies as well. I told a story about how I was discussing lullabies with this, uh, this father <laughs> who brought uh, his uh, two-week-old baby. We we're talking about lullabies and he showed me an app where he finds lullabies to sing for, that sings for his baby. And that was cool. I never knew those things existed. So I'm, I'm learning from his parents. We're sharing ideas. I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me. You made me think, and I, I wonder about the actual parent, the mother's voice or the father's voice. If, if they're actually singing and the newborn is hearing the actual voice of the mother and the father, if that is a nice comfort for the baby, something familiar, those voices of the parents. Babies could tell the difference between a familiar voice singing for them is not a it's not a bad thing too because some of these parents don't have the opportunity to learn from their parents. So these some of these uh, lullabies has not been passed from one generation to the other. So I think parents singing directly is better than babies listening to the iPhones lullabies. What about something physical? Can you comment a little bit about physical environment of the room? Yeah, those are very important too, because the brief period the babies are awake, especially the newborn babies who are 24 hours old, or 48 hours old, the brief period they're awake, they're kind of looking around to see what is in there, in their environment. And for the babies to engage, you need a quiet environment for them to kind of study and look around and begin, begin to absorb what is an environment as well. Those are active things the babies do that helps actually stimulate the brain cells that are flourishing at this time. In an earlier conversation we had about newborns, you talked about the importance of giving a baby a warm bath. Parents might be wondering, how often should I give a newborn a bath? They might be concerned about the baby getting chilled or getting <laughs> sick from being exposed. I mean, can you tell <laughs> Tell a newborn parent what they need to know. I think, uh, yeah, once the baby belly bottom falls, uh, babies can get a warm bath just from their neck down. And it's very soothing. And it gives them that calm to 
sleep. It's just like an adult. When they, you take a bath, you feel comfortable. You want to go to bed. <laughs> so babies need warm. It's very good. It's very relaxing. So in terms of the actual environment, we're talking about a calming environment and regulating the environment. One thing I would think of for a newborn is what can be in the bed? Can it? Can you have a pillow? What's a safe pillow? What are the best things for the actual environment the baby's sleeping in? The important thing is don't put a lot of loose objects around the baby. Make sure you don't put too many clothes because anything you put around the baby could get into the face, the nose, the mouth, and block the breathing pathways. And especially blankets and you know, extra clothing, don't put that. Make sure your baby's bed is very neat and tidy. And to prevent things uh, covering the baby's face, so they can't breathe. So that's very, very important. At what mm -hmm. age for a newborn or how many months is it safe to introduce a stuffed animal? My honest feeling about that is uh, when a baby is able to control their environment, like a baby who's able to take things off their face. I think something like a nine months old who have uh, skills to remove stuff around their face and mouths to protect themselves. Those babies who can already sit down and crawl and move around. But I don't think it's good to put stuffed animals around a baby who's six months who can't even maintain a sitting position. I would say about nine months, 12 months when the baby's able to remove objects around their face and mouth. Now, there are a few things that someone who doesn't understand about a baby's need to be calm and relaxed in an environment there might be things that happen where a caregiver might think the baby needs to stay up. So generally, if a baby is tired and wants to sleep, it's a good idea. Yes. Yes. I'll list a couple of reasons. One is to be able to engage. Imagine if you rested, <laughs> you're able to carry on with your duties, right? But if you didn't get enough, a good sleep, you wouldn't be able to function. The same thing with the babies. They need those long hours of sleep so that when they wake up, they're ready to engage with their caregivers, pay attention, play, listen, smile with them. So that's one reason why their sleep is very important so they can be able to engage later when they're awake. Now, another thing which is very critical, which parents, many parents don't know, is sleeping is very important because at that moment when a baby is sleeping, a lot of things are going on. It's an active process when a baby is sleeping. It's an opportunity for the baby's brain cells to continue to flourish and interconnect with one another so the brain continues to mature for social engagement, for cognitive engagement. So this is an active process. And sometimes babies can sleep, newborn babies can sleep up to 16 hours a day. Within a day, they can sleep three to four hours at a time. I wake up briefly, maybe for 30 minutes, one hour to play and engage and eat and look around and see what's around them and then go back to sleep again. So this process continues. So this is our important process and the parents, the caregivers should provide that opportunity. It doesn't happen automatically. mentioned how a schedule helps keep a baby calm. So can you talk a little bit about what 
a newborn needs for a feeding schedule. Mom might wonder, what should I do? I see a lot of things online. I hear different things. What's your recommendation? It's good to give a baby quickly on schedule. When a parent set a schedule, you begin to learn to appreciate that baby wakes up every three hours, every four hours to feed and to go back to sleep. So setting a schedule is important because that gives the baby an opportunity to expect something. Something's going to happen. And the babies actually learn how to anticipate, right? They know how to anticipate that the mom, the dad, somebody's coming and it's time to be fed. So they wake up and they wait for you to react. <laughs> And they give you opportunity. If you don't react at that time, you said you would react, and they will start fussing and crying. So setting a schedule is very important. So how many hours in between? Is it different for every parent and every newborn? You know, three hours will be a good time to feed a baby. Some babies go shorter, two hours. Some go longer, four hours. But I think three hours is just right. And if your baby hasn't asked for food in three hours, I would just go and check the baby and feed the baby. Because sometimes babies, some babies forget to eat. <laughs> Is it possible they're not hungry? Uh, no, they for, they're just hungry, but they forget. They forget to wake up. They forget to eat. And I get it's concerning when parents tell me that their newborn sleep through the night. That is not a good thing. Those are babies who forget. I forgot to eat. So you can't let that happen. You just have to wake the baby up and feed the baby. So that leads to a good question. At what point in your experience would you expect a newborn to be able to sleep through the night? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Very good. Four months would be a good uh, <laughs> four months would be a good uh, time to start sleeping through the night. Four months. And then six months definitely. But four months will be a transition time when babies begin to sleep through the night. So any new, any expectant parents listening, they should get their sleep now. <laughs> Now's the Definitely. time. Yeah, there's a time to, you know, kind of, you know, relax. But uh, for, a four months old should be able to sleep through the night. At least wake so up very early in the morning, like about four o'clock, five o'clock, and then eat. So is it possible for babies to soothe themselves? Babies soothe themselves by the first thing they do is they put their fingers into their mouth and start and soothe themselves. Caregivers have that. It's their prerogative. It's their obligation to soothe the baby. I have this encounter with uh, a new parent who brought their five-day-old girl to my practice and I was trying to dialogue with them and ask the mom if she knows ways babies could calm themselves down. And the mother, the mother was kind of surprised and didn't, did not know. She couldn't think about any ways. And suddenly this baby, five days old, you know, who was crying, immediately uh, put her fingers in her mouth. And then with me were two medical students and, and the father too. We started laughing. So this baby in front of us demonstrated her capacity to calm herself down. So it was a kind of a show off. This is what I do when I'm fussy. I put my finger in my mouth. So we started laughing. 
And then uh, after that, we shared more ways, better ways parents can help calm the baby down. I actually was curious a little bit when you say to calm a baby down and to keep a baby calm. Sometimes babies don't feel calm. Sometimes they're upset. Sometimes they cry. So it's not always possible to keep a baby calm all the time. Oh, no, it's not. It's not, it's not a very easy thing. And some babies are very irritable right from, the, right from birth. They're very irritable. They, they have different temperaments. They're very sensitive babies and they're fussy babies. So it's not usually a very easy thing to do, but, but the parents have to keep on that. They have to stay on that track. It's a trial and error to find out what, what thing helps your baby and what things irritates your baby. And you can figure it out if you continue to try and persevere. But there are a lot of fussy babies out there. And it could be fussy for, like I said, from, from a biological makeup, temperament, which could be visible at the time of birth, a couple of days after birth. Babies are different. <laughs> so for these babies who are very sensitive, parents have, the, you know, have extra patience, do more things around them. It could include dimming the light, shutting the door quietly, making sure the TV is turned off, making sure the baby is dressed lightly, and so on and so forth. So there's a few things parents could do. So soft clothing, comfortable clothing, things like that. They could just try different things until they get the right combination. Is there anything that you don't recommend? What I don't recommend is leaving the baby to cry themselves out. I'm thinking that they will learn from that. <laughs> That's a good thing because like we said in a previous episode, the babies will easily learn how to do without you. And that shuts down that communication between you and the baby. And with that, it shuts down the relationship. You want to build a quality relationship. You don't want the baby to shut, shut down and not give you a signal. So you have to always come in and provide calm and soothing environment for a baby. In fact, it's one of the pillars of the caregiver-newborn relationship. One more thing I want to add is that sometimes babies can be unconsolable in the sense that they're crying, you can't calm them down. It's impossible for you to calm them down. No matter what you do, it's impossible to calm them down. So these are babies who could use a, a pediatrician as well. The parents have to call their pediatrician when the baby is unconsolable and nothing can calm the baby down. This kind of baby may have uh, scratched their eyes because baby's fingers grow very fast and that's called corneal abrasion. And they can also have colicky abdominal pain, or colic, which can keep them crying all most of the time, uncontrollable. And they can also have some intestinal pathologies, like um, what we call valvulus, which is a twisting of the intestine. So there are many things that could um, cause a baby to be to be crying unconsolable. So these are times when parents have to call the pediatrician. I'll take the baby to the emergency room if the pediatrician is not around. Thanks for joining us as we learned about how to keep a newborn calm and regulate the environment. In the next episode, Dr. Anyoha will help us understand how we can communicate with a newborn 
and how they communicate with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode. To answer questions you may have in a future podcast, write to Dr. Anyoa at modernerapediatrics at yahoo.com. Find articles and books written by Dr. Anyoa on his website, modernerapediatrics.com. Listen to On Call with Dr. Anyoa wherever you find your podcasts.